The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at TNTradio.live. Welcome. 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 Welcome to the Dirk Pullman Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And hello, this is Dirk Pullman. Willkommen, bienvenue, welcome from Germany, from Berlin. And um, I have a guest whose production I follow all the time. It is Jeremy Kuzmaro from COVID Action Magazine, one of the foremost things I would recommend to read if you're interested in getting the backside of many stories. And uh, it's really because of uh, two stories that recently came out on COVID Action Magazine, but we talk about a little bit about COVID Action, uh, Action Magazine that I uh, invited him to be a guest on my show. So thank you very much for joining in, Jeremy. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Um, so, um, I mean, I'm, it's really in a way, I'm always looking for what you have as new stories. And I've, we've translated with a magazine where I'm a chief editor. It's not really a big or important magazine, but we've translated several of your stories uh, to German because the work that you publish is astonishingly from the quality of the depth of reporting. There's really, nothing comparable in Germany like that. But maybe you can explain how that came about. And I think Covert Action Magazine is something like um, a, a magazine that was founded by CIA people who are not uh, really happy about what they were doing. Is that right? Or can you give us the background story a little bit? Sure, yeah. And uh, there was, uh, in the early 70s, there was some a magazine Counter Spy. I think Norman Mailer, a famous writer, was involved. And then Philip Agee, um, this was kind of an offshoot founded by Philip Agee, who was a CIA whistleblower who had worked in South America. And um, he became disaffected with the agency, and he wrote a, a memoir called Inside the Company, a CIA diary. And it was an indictment of the CIA and American capitalism, essentially. And he actually wanted to name name. He felt the CIA was a criminal conspiracy that had violated the U.S. Constitution and international law. And the original magazine yeah, had a naming names column where it outed uh, CIA agents who it felt were outlaws uh, and should be named uh, for their involvement in criminal activity. So that's how the magazine started. And it continued you know, through the 90s, uh, early 2000s. I think it broadened to um, provide a, um, <coughs> a, a critique of U.S. foreign policy, not just cover the CIA um, and, um, you know, uh, and Philip Agee was very good in analyzing the political economic dimension underlying U.S. You know, CIA uh, covert operations. So and the role that multinational corporation played in driving uh, U.S. foreign policy. So there's been always a strong emphasis on that political economic analysis of U.S. foreign policy and empire. And, yeah, the magazine, uh, Philip died in 2008 or 2009. And then uh, in 2017 or 18, the magazine restarted as a webzine by Chris Agee, who's Philip Agee's son. And uh, oh, yeah, okay. currently we're a webzine and trying to build up. Uh, I started working there and during the pandemic in 2020. So we're trying to build, uh, uh, you know, build up our readership. Yeah, that. OK, so um, I wonder because of the quality and the spectrum and the broadth of uh, the people that you attract with your magazine the authors that's mind uh, to me it's very very mind-boggling how you get all these people so is there uh, is there a reservoir of people that regularly 
um, uh, um, get in contact with you or how do you get all these uh, extremely interesting authors on your magazine? Um, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, right now we're operating on a very a shoestring budget. So uh, I think a lot of people may just want to write for that magazine, maybe because of the tradition of the magazine. Yeah, the high standard, because there are other websites, notably like Infowars that wants to expose you know, covert operation, but it's it's very amateurish quality and it's a pro-Trump uh, outlet. Uh, so they don't really do very in-depth research. Occasionally you'll find a grounded article there, but Covert Action Magazine, yeah, has a history of, of sound uh, scholar, you know, uh, you know, good quality reporting and footnotes and, uh, you know, good quality research. Uh, uh, so I think it attracts certain writers, uh uh, you know, kind of writer that wants to write there. And, yeah, we have some, you know, writers who write semi-regularly, like, um, yeah, one writer, Denny Voltaire, is writing about, is covering Italy and, you know, kind of the deep state in Italy. And then we have certain writers like Dan Kovalik, who travels a lot around the world. Uh, he's written a lot of books. Uh, so he'll often write uh, articles from places he's traveled because one of the mission of the magazine is to try and provide more of an international perspective. I mean, the if you live in the United States, you see how parochial the media is, and often the uh, you know uh, coverage of certain countries is totally uh, divorced from the reality of that country, like Russia. You know, anyone who <laughs> travels to Russia will see a completely different story from the way the country is covered in the media or China or, uh, you know, Latin American countries, uh, often media often just presents a kind of cartoonish narrative or, you know, good versus evil. So we try and provide more of an international perspective. Uh, and we do have some connection yet yeah, other countries, like people, we even had a guy who lived for like 10 years in North Korea named Felix Apt, who lives in Switzerland, and he submitted some articles to us about his yes. experience in North Korea. So, we try and yeah, uh, broaden people's thinking living in the United States and other other uh, places around the world because sometimes it's very hard to get uh, objective analysis about various countries, particularly those like North Korea that are not abiding by the dictates of uh, you know capitalism and uh, fitting within the U.S. Uh, imperial orbit. So they're going to be demonized. So it's nice to have somebody who can try to balance assessment. Yes, uh, I had Felix Abt on my show also, and I have interviewed him several times. That's extremely interesting mm -hmm. because he's a Swiss entrepreneur who worked yeah. in North Korea. And then uh, he's not an official. He's not a political activist. He's somebody who just tried to make uh, some business deals there. And his perspective is unique. And then a lot of people don't believe what he <laughs> says <laughs> because it's so different. And then that's the thing yeah. in my whole in my whole professional life. I've noticed I've traveled the world. I can say that I've done a lot of very strange stories. Greenland, I walked walked illegally into Tibet uh, over the Himalaya, things like that. So I've done a ton of stuff, which is really weird uh, compared to what you usually do as a journalist. And I know for a fact that if you read 24 seven, uh, the magazines and watch TV, you will not understand you no way you can understand what's going on. You will not even have a slightly correct picture of what's going on. This is really a problem. And, um, that's one of the reasons why I founded origin news, where we try to get people from countries. For example, if there's now Sahel zone, 
uh, I tried to get uh, um, journalists from these countries, from the French speaking, so from Niger, from Mali, from Sudan, uh, up to Ethiopia, which is uh, not French speaking, but uh, to get a picture um, what the people from there have to tell, because that's utterly important that we hear the voices from the people that never have been heard. But I can tell from what you do in terms of Europe, um, the, the job that you do on reporting on backside stories is extraordinary. And this is why I was really, uh, because I'm researching, I'm writing a book myself about uh, political murder in Germany, uh, which is one of the most interesting stories that was Alfred Herrhausen. And in the book, I have four chapters <clears throat> on similar murders, and one is Aldo Moro. And although you noticed to me that Aldo Moro is not your field of extreme um, expertise, but it's a, a very interesting story. So I would like to get into that a little bit now, because uh, you have this Dennis Voltaire, which is a pseudonym, I guess. Yeah, it's not probably not his real name <clears throat> yeah, with Voltaire. Yeah. And I'd like to get in contact with him because that's incredibly interesting what he found there. So sure, um, Aldo Moro has been uh, to give a, a rough outline. Or do you want to do that, or shall I, uh, what, um, We can do it can both, do it, yeah. whatever. Okay, Aldo Moro is uh, has been. Um, a very important politician in Italy in the 60s until 1978, when he was hijacked and killed by the Red Brigades. But there the story is a little bit uh, murky already, because we know now for a fact that the Red Brigades were only the useful idiot tools. Uh, they killed him, definitely. But uh, the other, so what I always tell people is the that the Red Brigades were infested with intelligence services. And that is clear by now that this is really, it's not a, it was supposed to look like a murder of the leftist, but Aldo Moro has a history. He's coming from Catholic Italy. He's a, a member of the Democrazia Christiana, the Christian Democrats. But he was early on, there's a strand in the Christian Democrats, also with Enrico Matte and other people that were close to that, but Aldo Moro, that has a high social consciousness, I would call that. The Catholic Church uh, has this uh, idea about how to have a just, uh, a just society, which is uh, um, somewhat different is, uh, from what we have in, in, a, in a hardcore capitalist world. It has to take care of the people below, and this is what Aldo Moro tried to do. And uh, so he was uh, already in the 70s, he started to work together with the socialists in Italy. And then that be made him a target of American foreign policy. That was a no-no already. But then he wanted to have what is called the compromiso historico with a uh, with a communists in Italy. And then we have to also say the communists in Italy, after 1968, after the Soviet Union invaded uh, Czechoslovakia, when Dubček was kind of a precursor of Gorbachev, uh, tried to to. Um, have what he called socialism with a human face. Uh, that was a split. When the Soviets came down on Dubček, it, well, there was a split in Europe and France, Italy and Spain declared themselves uh, Euro-communists. They were not on the, on the Soviet line anymore completely. They had an independent stance also theoretically, which is with the religious communist ideology very important. Um, so, uh, 
Aldo Moro tried uh, because there were huge problems in Italy and he tried to get into this coalition with the communists, which would be stable. Italy had the problem. It would always the governments would go like with the seasons. Yeah, it was very fast turnover <laughs> uh, with governments. In the Pervoy Morich on TNT Radio. Shipping group AP Moller Myersk reported a steep drop in third quarter profit and revenue this past weekend and said it would cut at least 10,000 jobs in the face of overcapacity, rising costs and weaker prices, sending its shares tumbling. So that's shipping. Uh, and, and they control one-sixth of global container trade, transporting goods for a host of major retailers and consumer goods companies, including Walmart. Walmart and Nike. That can't be good. Meanwhile, over in trucking, trucking employment is contracting the fastest on record this century. Hmm. So shipping, massively cutting jobs, trucking, fastest contraction on record this country. What is going on? Paul Krugman says everything's fine. Don't worry. Everything's fine. Remember that meme? Uh, Leslie Nielsen, I think, is naked gun. Everything's fine. Meanwhile, in the background, everything is blowing up and burning. Voye Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I'm just going to do a little voice I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me, and I was trying to figure it out, and I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old, and it's so easy for them to literally be groomed. I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. We know that that's not true. I was easy to manipulate. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are, and therefore to question them is completely taboo. My childhood was ruined. Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing everything. Did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria that wasn't there before, but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse. That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? D-Trans, the dangers of gender-affirming care. For more information, go to PragerU.com. Listen. Listen up! Now listen, we gotta talk. It's what we do best. This is today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Yeah, and this is the Pullman. I had a slight technical problem, obviously. So uh, just repeat the last lines. It was Aldo Moro tried to, as a Christian Democrat, as a conservative, but a social conscious conservative, tried to get into a, uh, a coalition um, government in Italy in 1978. What, which was called the historic compromise. Um, and that made him a target of US intelligence operation, which ended in his killing by the red brigades. But that is a, an entanglement with intelligence services. So, um, what you, what, uh, what is your take on that, uh, Jeremy, from the story that you uh, published in, uh, in a COVID action magazine with new facts? 
Yeah, well, and, and one interesting parallel, I think you can compare that in other countries, uh, even in the United States, you know, you had these far left groups like the Weather Underground that started, you know, carrying out, you know, terrorist activity. And that was also infiltrated by uh, U.S. intelligence because they wanted to destroy uh, the Students for Democratic Society. And, you know, they wanted to alienate these groups from the population at large and carry out, you know, bombings and stuff that would alienate the public. Uh, so, you know, it's an interesting parallel is how the, the modus operandi of the intelligence services, I believe the same as in, in Germany, uh, though I know a little less about that case. But uh, and yeah, I mean, they're planting provocateur in these groups uh, to, you know, to alienate the public, to carry out extremely radical activities uh, that would make them look bad and lose uh, pub, you know, public support. Uh, make them look like a friend or terrorist organization uh, and forget about the principles, you know, the, the left. There was a strategy, you know, it was a part of a strategy of tension that described, you know, in the book by Daniel Ganser on Operation Gladio, and he discusses mm -hmm. Italy where they carried out other terrorist activities like the bombing of the Bologna rail station, and, was, and they, you know, planted explosives on this left-wing uh, uh, journalist to make it look like he was behind it. And uh, so that that was a strategy to uh, make the left look bad and, and to have the right wing come in power. And also part of strategy of tension, you know, keep the public fearful of terrorism. So I think in a way it sets the precursor for the era we're living in uh, where there, you know, there are a lot of suspicion or, you know, black flag operations. And it's designed to, you know, part of the strategy of tension, keep the public in fear of terrorism and they kind of suspend rational judgment and they'll support draconian policy that they wouldn't normally support to expand the security state and reduce civil liberties. So I think you, you have that in Italy and you have that in numerous other countries. Uh, and this, um, you know, was, a lot of it was exposed in this uh, excellent book by yeah, Daniel Ganser about you know NATO's role in supporting uh, these um, kinds of operations, as well as the CIA in numerous European countries. Uh, so Italy fits the broader pattern. And the other pattern is that, yeah, even mildly leftist leaders or leaders who are pushing accommodation with the communists and you know, kind of left of center with a good you know, social conscious and trying to develop more, uh, I guess you can call it progressive um, you know, public policy, they were the targets as much as you know, Fidel Castro or more, uh, you know, outright socialist governments. And you have that, you know, the CIA was involved throughout the Cold War year in undermining leaders like Sukarno in Indonesia, who in some ways maybe mm. you can compare with Aldo Moro. Uh, so, and, you know, I think John Foster Dulles once said openly, we can't tolerate you know, any neutral government because they're too close to the communists. And, uh, you know, so even that, I mean, it showed the extreme extremeness of, of U.S. foreign policy. And I mean, I think it, it destroyed the left in many countries. It succeeded, I guess, beyond the wildest imagination of the perpetrators of this policy. And look at the world we live in today. I mean, the left-wing movements were destroyed in many countries. And now you have all these huge economic problems and disaffection of the public, but you don't have a strong left-wing movement. So it's, it's paving the way for the ascendance of the far right that's capitalizing on the dis disaffection of the public um, with existing you know, capitalist policies. Uh, 
So it's created a terrible situation, whether in Italy or many other countries, besides this the tragedy of the assassination and criminality. And from what I, you know, the, what Voltaire shows is that he was taken to a safe house, I think, after he was kidnapped, that had connection with the CIA, like the, the building could be traced back to the CIA front operations. Uh, so it's pretty clear that foreign intelligence and the CIA were involved in this. Yeah, it is. That is one of the things I got from your article. I didn't know that. So there was uh, from a investigation which has been, uh, but in secrecy, afterwards in Italy. And one uh, one senator spoke about it, but then started to shut up again because obviously it was not wanted. And this uh, building where uh, Aldo Moro was kept as a hostage, he was kept as a hostage and. Um, during his stay, he understood that there was no intention to get him out. Uh, the Pope at that time offered to switch in for him to be the hostage for the for the Red Brigades if they would uh, Aldo Moro run free. And uh, we know now for a fact that uh, this Red Brigade um, unit was uh, infested, as I said, with intelligence services. Everybody was in there. The uh, the Italian military intelligence, uh, the Office of Special Affairs, uh, which even acknowledged that uh, from Italy, the CIA, the lower ranks also were the KGB. It is like uh, uh, whenever you talk to a terrorist, in the end, you will end up at the at the door of an intelligence service. Yeah, but in this case, it was as you described. <laughs> In Italy, the idea was that uh, you would have a tension, a strategy of tension to have terror attacks blamed on the left wing, which were done by the right wing uh, in, in reality, but made to be look like it was from the left wing. So the public would ask for protection from for from these radicals. So uh, the people would you would read in the in the magazines and in the media you would hear what these people really wanted to have a, a, a strong state coming down on the on the left wing to prevent the switch. This started in Italy in 1948. It is the first election which was, you know, bribed by the uh, by the CIA. It was originally Italy had such a strong communist party that the communists would have. Uh, would have um, be victorious in the vote, um, and that needed to be cut down. That is one of the first things that James Jesus Angleton uh, was uh, taking care of. Yeah, and but then Aldo Moro, as you said, and I once had I had interviewed uh, Stefano della Chiaia, who was uh, the the killer, the main, the brain, and the killer. He killed personally about three hundred people worldwide also for death squads in, uh, in in South America. It was not so, he was allegedly the most wanted right-wing terrorist in the world, but it was not difficult to get an interview with him. Uh, I just had to go to to, uh, to Italy, to Rome, in a huge um, uh, industrial hall where there where was a bodyguard that made sure that um, I wouldn't do anything, but I could talk to him and I just let him talk. And he was so surprised that he could talk that I got quite a lot of interesting information from him about his cooperation with former Nazis like uh, Klaus Barbie, the butcher of Lyon, uh, that he uh, worked with in Bolivia. They, in fact, made sure that Bolivia got a, a government, uh, which is, uh, was the cocaine ma mafia. <laughs> they were in, 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 uh, in unison with the, with the right-wing people. And uh, uh, Dennis Chiaia then fled afterwards uh, to Italy uh, from from Italy to Chile, he was with the head of the Italian fascists. 
he was in in Chile trying to get a fascist government there. He was very disappointed with uh, Pinochet because he was economically not fascist but neoliberal, and he considered that uh, that uh, Pinochet was a traitor because he wouldn't make a fascist Chile. But uh, politically, yes, security and so on, that was along the lines he wanted, but not the economy. But back to Aldo Moro, the thing is that um, after Moro was killed, there was an investigation. And for example, his wife testified in this commission in the parliament and said that he was personally threatened in a meeting by um, that went from Kissinger down. Um, also, he was told that if he would go on with his policies, he would have paid, he would have to pay dearly personally in terms of his own, of his own life. He was threatened with that. This is what his wife told in the parliament. And then we have a strange case where Steve Pichenik, who we got to know during the Trump election in 2016, who was talking, um, publicly in a blog that he had that, the U.S. should stop these false flag operations. And he was, uh, he, there was a book published by a French journalist that said, we killed Aldo Moro. So Steve Pichenik, the official special envoy of the United States in this case, uh, stated in that book, uh, we killed Aldo Moro that the purpose why he was sent to Italy was not to make sure that Aldo Moro would be rescued, but killed. It, he needed to be killed to save Italy. This is what he states in the book. So this is why I think these things are important because we don't understand what's going on right now. Um, if we omit these uh, cases, which slowly, very slowly, like the JFK murder, turn into where you see what's really behind it. And what we have now is similar, but with a much better publicity um, and media control of what they're doing. There are not so many people like you <laughs> who, uh, who write about that, but it's like you can learn a lot from these things, like the Aldo Moro case. Yeah. So it's really, in a way, uh, Aldo Moro was, um, he was sacrificed because uh, the Americans, that's what Kissinger told him, would not accept in a country where there are hugely important U.S. naval bases like the Sixth Fleet in Italy with aircraft carriers, it would not be possible that there are some uh, extremely left-wing people or communists, even if they're not on the Moscow line anymore, would not be allowed to be part of the government. And this is what he's been told. And he had also been told, you do that and you will have problems. So if we had the Soviets cracking down on Czechoslovakia, it was the Americans cracking down on Italy, although he, he was not a communist, he was a conservative Christian Democrat, the foreign policy was not allowed. By the way, you were talking about Germany, we have not very much knowledge. The same structure, obviously, is valid for Germany, but we are the country who knows least about it. It needs to be remembered that Italy had red brigades, Germany had the red army faction, and Japan had the red army faction. So you have these three countries from World War II. And one historian from Italy asked me when I told him, okay, we have the Japanese red army faction was a killer brigade, and we have the red uh, army faction in Italy. And he said, do you really, was a conservative historian, he said, do you really believe it didn't happen in your country? Don't you see the structure? Why are you so blind about it? But we are still, yeah. But back to you. What is a, a final comment on the Aldo Moro case? And then we switch to Danny Casolaro. 
Well, yeah, I, I think you make many great points there. Um, and yeah, this is part of a global strategy. I mean, I, I just recently had an article about Australia and they were involved in the removal uh, through a very sophisticated covert operation uh, to remove uh, Gal Whitlam, who was also going to remove a uh, U.S. spy base at Pine Gap, Australia. And he was more left-leaning leader. Yeah, he was not a communist, probably has a lot in common with Aldo Moro. And this, you know, different tactic was used there, but they used a fake, they basically entrapped the foreign minister and created a fake scandal to bring down the government. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a, it's a worldwide strategy. Uh, and yeah, it has huge ripple effects to today as far as, you know, the demise of the of the left. I mean, it was very successful. And then as you point out, this is continuously, you know, they saw how successful it was. So, I mean, look at the war on terror. And, I mean, there are a lot of question marks. You know, I did an article about the Oklahoma City bombing, and that appears to be a, a, a false flag operation. You know, it was impossible that Timothy McVeigh could have been the lone bomber, and the bomb he uh, allegedly set off in his rider truck could never have brought down the structure of the building, and it was thought to be high-level military-grade weaponry. And McVeigh would probably set up a, as a patsy like Lee Harvey Oswald. He had a background special forces and he was part of a secret unit and he actually before he was executed he admitted quite a lot to his cellmate uh when he was in jail so you could look at events like that and even the 9-11 uh there are huge you know question marks about the 9-11 uh and how that might have been set up to further this uh strategy of tension to support in that case yeah the in within the united states the passing of the usa patriot patriot act and eroding of U.S. civil liberties, and to expand the U.S. military empire in the Middle East uh, through the threat of terrorism, uh, you know, making the public fearful about terrorism, uh, in this case, you know, Islamic terrorism. So, uh, yeah, I think it's really important to study these events and then to see the broader pattern. And if more and more people woke up, we could have more effective opposition uh, to it. And actually, we could have investigations, uh, official investigations, and hold the people responsible for uh, serious criminal activity, people like Kissinger, who's still alive, uh, and others who are behind these calamitous uh, events. Yeah, it is. Uh, and I think it's important to understand uh, it's not really important what kind of political stance you have these things are mm. even if you're conservative this is not what we are told what the state is like so this needs to be cleaned up no matter if you're left-wing or center or right-wing and this was piacenic was interesting because he was uh on uh, the in the trump camp he was trying to support that helping that what he called the deep state would be cleaned up which uh probably it didn't happen um but uh steve piacenic was um uh uh, he was a guy, a specialist as a psychiatrist, a uh, highly regarded uh, um, uh, Stanford or Harvard, I don't recall. So a highly regarded specialist for negotiations with terrorists uh, was uh, he was he came up and said, we have to stop this because in the end, it looks uh, it always looks smart to work that way. But you diminish your credibility. This is what's going on right now, I think, that you can see worldwide with the global south that the credibility of the West, we're destroying 
with these methods, uh, the credibility is destroyed. So no matter where you come from, this should be a common cause of all of us that we want our government <laughs> not to be uh, on the side of being smarties from the mafia. Yeah, when I hear about rule-based uh, uh, policies, and the, also the mafia has rule-based policies, that's not the difference if something is okay or not. But I'd like to jump to to Casolaro because that is a case where you yourself wrote the article, and I think uh, and Aldo Moret might even know that I'm because I'm deep into that that I knew that I know quite a lot with Casolaro. I only know this is one of the weirdest cases I've ever heard from the United States. And I think it's the beginning of this technological sur uh, surveillance state that, and it's uh, mixed with murder and so on. So please give us a rough outline on your article on that. Okay, sure. Yeah, and I should give credit to Peter Osborne is an Australian who worked for a uh, labor government as a science advisor in the 90s. And he's kind of picked up on some of Casolaro's investigations yeah, into the surveillance state and this uh, software because uh, he had a, he had an encryption company that was actually stolen from him. Uh, and, yeah, it prompted him to do some deep research and to further what uh, uh, Casolaro was uncovering. So to give the backstory, yeah, Casolaro was a journalist, an independent journalist who lived in Virginia. And he was uh, writing a big book on what he called the octopus, these shadowy network, kind of like what we're discussing in the Aldo Moro case and who carry out <laughs> black flag operation or terrorist activity, uh, criminal activity. And, uh, you know, this was in the era he was writing in the late 80s, early 90s, doing his research. And this was following the Iran-Contra affair. So he was looking into some of these, you know, criminal networks who were involved in illegal arms smuggling to Nicaraguan Contras and drug running. Uh, and, you know, it was some CIA officer like Theodore Shackley headed a network with Edward Wilson, Thomas Klein, a couple others uh, that were part of this, you know, secret team. Uh, they were also involved like the October Surprise, where they basically rigged the 1980 election. They uh, bribed the government to delay the release of American hostages so Jimmy Carter would look bad and Reagan could win the election. And they were involved in all kinds of criminal activity. And Casolaro then covered the, the theft. It started, they were able to carry out a lot of their criminal activity because they had stolen software uh, from a guy. Bill Hamilton was a, a national security uh, uh, agency official who had worked in Vietnam, and he had developed the software for law enforcement agencies that they could share data and uh, easily access cases. You know, lawyers or police could more easily access cases, and this was in like the 1970s. Uh, and then the CIA stole his company, like Bill Hamilton. Uh, he's still alive, and he's still trying to uh, uh, bring you know publicity to this because there had been actually a congressional investigation mm -hmm. into the theft of his software. It was called Promise Software, but it was stolen by the CIA and various CIA front companies, and they used it to set up uh, you know, ba uh, sophisticated banking systems uh, that they could launder money more easily, including the SWIFT banking network. And also, yeah, to develop a mass surveillance uh, apparatus and to uh, develop all these databases, you know, to systematize all the databases of the intelligence agencies. Uh, and they sold the software. Once it was stolen from Hamilton, they sold the software to numerous other governments. And even he found that Rupert Murdoch was involved. Uh, 
uh, in the sale to the Australian government and develop and the further development of some of the software uh, for nefarious purposes. Uh, and this enabled the, all these, what Casolaro found was that the software uh, was what enabled a lot of the uh, criminal operations of the 1980s, such as the Iran-Contra, uh, and he was really on to this kind of shadowy network uh, in government that was carrying out all kind of criminal activity, uh, including he linked it to the Lockerbie bombing, uh, may have been designed to cover up uh, criminal activity. That was another kind of black flag operation that they blamed, on, you know, they were trying to blame Libya because there was a regime change operation against Libya and Muammar Gaddafi. Who was a you know had nationalized Libya's oil and was defying Western interests, so uh, that was convenient to blame him, and it really was covering up some. Well, it it uh, led to the death of some CIA operatives who'd been in Lebanon, who allegedly were going to were on their way to Washington to reveal various secrets and expose you know report on criminal activity. So, Casolaro had uh, insights on all this and had a lot of documents and information and was preparing this blockbuster book and then he was murdered in a hotel room in martinsburg west virginia and it was made to look like a suicide but the crimes he made clear he had been murdered you know there had been somebody uh who cleaned up all the blood uh, hmm. uh in in the hotel room so there was obviously somebody in the hotel room you know to try and cover up the crime scene uh, before his body was found and he was found like just the way he was killed made clear he couldn't have killed himself in that way uh so very clearly he was murdered because to prevent him from writing this tell-all book and yeah peter osborne is, is trying to continue some of the research that castellaro was done and he has a website called the sixth eye that you can check out and a number of podcasts uh and i've been working with peter on some articles and i also interviewed castellaro's son and yeah peter wants uh castellaro to be honored i mean he was a great investigative journalist who was really digging really deep and unfortunately got himself killed. But uh, mm -hmm. he's, you know, should be a hero to journalists who should continue his exposure of the kind of thing we're discussing today. And yeah, it's yeah. not. I uh, agree. Uh, we have to have a short break and we get back okay. to that. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, yeah. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. With Joe Biden behind in just about every presidential poll, the strategy of the left seems to be to go after Donald Trump even harder than they've been doing for the past eight years, if that's even possible. And on the media side, Joe Scarborough, whose brother-in-law works in the Biden administration, seems to be leading the charge. He will do, he will get away with, he will imprison, he will execute whoever he's allowed to imprison execute, uh, 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 drive from the country. Just look at his past. And as unhinged as that was, it's nothing compared to what New York Democrat Congressman Dan Golden said the other day. It is just uh, uh, unquestionable at this point that that man cannot see public office again. He is not only unfit, he is destructive to our democracy, uh, and he has to be uh, he has to be eliminated. Now, after receiving some well-deserved criticism, Goldman apologized, said he didn't mean to use that word, eliminated, etc., etc. This is all the left has left. So watch for more of the same. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Ballsberg. Catch my show Monday to Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT Radio Vision. The impact of a meal goes well beyond feeding our bodies. 
Because when people are fed, futures are nourished. Everyone deserves to live a full life. And with your help, together we can end hunger. Join the movement at feedingamerica.org slash act now. You're listening to Dirk Pullman on today's News Talk TNT Radio. And my guest is uh, Jeremy Kuzmarov from Covert Action Magazine. Again, high recommendation for me to look into this extremely interesting web publication. We're talking about Danny Casolaro's case, and I'd like to get back a little bit because I'm um, the benefit of being old is that I personally went through all these uh, things uh, many years ago. And uh, the at that time, nobody understood what promise was the software that Bill Hamilton had developed with his wife. And he thought it would be a huge business. And then it was stolen from him because it was so important and stolen by the U.S. state, by the intelligence services. They made sure this is an ongoing case in a way because he's still trying to to get the record straight on this. It was uh, it was a software that was developed at a time that nobody thought about backdoors or, or data out leaks, things like that. That was um, it was way before the Internet. And what it offered through backdoor in the software that uh, the intelligence agencies could control the financial flows of people and then afterwards more than that so it was the complete picture that they got whom these people were dealing with and this was of utmost importance it's even that the the software was renamed in a way prism that snowden talked about is an offspring of that in in terms of modernization but it is something similar so this was the first case and at that time it was difficult to understand because we were not savvy. We were not computer savvy at that time. But this is what Danny Casolaro, an extremely uh, successful journalist and also was good looking guy with a good amount of money, extremely successful with women. And then allegedly he killed himself. But the way he killed himself, that what you mentioned is I've, I've looked at the black and white photo and that is so disgusting. I mean, the, the wrist was slashed, I think, 12 times down to the bone. Uh, that's the way to kill yourself, to get with a razor blade and cut through your arm 12 times so the, uh, sitting in a bathtub. Whoever wants to believe that. And then there was also, it was uh, alleged that he got an injection before that would uh, paralyze him from the, from the head downwards uh, before that happened. Maybe you can get a little bit into the importance, why this is important, uh, this case. And we you said, Casolaro, I agree. That is, he was a great investigative journalist and paid with his life for it, and he should be remembered. He's somebody that should be in the, yeah, if we have a Hall of Fame for journalism, investigative journalism, he definitely belongs in there. His case should be more more known. But go ahead and help us to that it is more known. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, well, and firstly, yeah, with the software, I think one thing it was able to monitor all bank transactions, which was way ahead of the time uh you know before the internet and that mm. by monitoring it they could easily manipulate it uh for money laundering and other purposes so that's one reason uh that they really wanted to seize that software as well as they yeah, have the surveillance potential uh and um yeah I, I think you you hit on the major points that you know he was doing a really in-depth investigation he had all these secret documents he was in touch with uh, some whistleblowers. Some of those whistleblowers ended up dead as well. He wasn't the only one killed. One was a guy named Alan Standorf who was found uh, dead in his car. 
that he had leaked some documents to Castellaro. I think he was a uh, uh, with the NSA, and he was a whistleblower. Um, and the crime scene, yeah, made it clear that it was not a, a suicide. I mean, anyone looking into it uh, would see. Uh, and it's believed there was, I think Hamilton really investigated. He had a lot of death threats against him. And he uh, determined that there was a major named Joseph Cuellar, uh, who he believes may have been the assassin. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a you know, huge criminal network that he was on to. And this is the kind of criminal network that had taken over, you know, hijacked uh, the U.S. government in many ways and carried out these sinister covert operations uh, that uh, were, you know, horrific. I mean, if, if you look into the Iran-Contra affair, I mean, how many people died in Nicaragua because of that? And they were you know, engaged in all kinds of criminal activity, and they were just operating above the law. Uh, and they even, you know, took out airplanes. You know, there seems to be very strong evidence that these networks were behind the bombing of the Lockerbie, you know, the Pan Am Flight 101 or 103 that was, taken down and bombed over and it crashed over Lockerbie, Scotland and killed at least around 150 or 200 people. Yeah. Including three, uh, they were CIA and DIA agents who, according to Osborne investigation, they were on their way to report uh, criminal activity by Shackley and his network. And I, I think Theodore Shackley was a key figure, uh, involved in the corruption. I think George H.W. Bush was a key figure. Uh, other than some of the top people in the CIA. Um, uh, so, and yeah, again, I, I think the uh, model for today is we need more journalists like Casalaro, however brave as him, to expose uh, a lot of corruption and criminality that unfortunately is with us uh, has taken over our governments in many ways. I mean, we've seen horrific uh, policies in the last uh, decades. And, um, you know, we just need to shine more light in these dark places. And we need, um, you know, uh, investigation. And ultimately, we need to try and hold legally accountable people uh, for their crimes. Hmm. Yeah, I noticed uh, um, one of the documentaries I did, uh, or several, um, I've been, I went into National Archives in, in Washington and looked at hearings, lots of tapes, many, many hours of tapes. And then I noticed that all the people that were involved in trying to uncover crimes of the state never made, they tried to make a career from that as politicians, but they never, <laughs> they never succeeded. It's only the other side. Yeah. I saw, for example, there was uh, the investigation on the disappearance of uh, prisoners of war, American prisoners of war after the Vietnam War, which is kind of like the Rambo II story. There's a, a realistic, uh, a realistic stance to that. And then you had there Bob Smith. You probably don't know him because he was on the side trying to get into that. Um, never a colleague of mine, Christina Boyeson, who's also here in TNT, did an enormously interesting piece for ABC, which in a way ended her career, uh, trying to investigate that. So Bob Smith didn't make it. And on the other side, there was John McCain and, uh, um, um, uh, what's his name? John Kerry. <laughs> Uh, John Kerry. So you see that these people who were um, doing the government cover up, they survived, they made their career, the other ones not. And this is something that needs to be again, no matter if you're left or right wing or whatever, this needs to be rectified that the people who work according to the 
scripts that we have, the legal scripts and so on, the, what we hear all the time, what it allegedly is about, they must be protected and they must, uh, it has to be an advantage, but it's the other way around. That tells you that something is deeply rotten. If that happens, that you can only make a career if you're into that. And that's, uh, we are in the, you know, 60 years after the JFK, I would call that a state coup. It was, uh, it was a coup against the president that, uh, the some many forces inside the American military, the military industrial complex, you could say that you, if you don't want to talk about deep state, you could take the expression from from Eisenhower that he termed that uh, that a president who was going ahead uh, with uh, civil rights. He was uh, one of blacks voted 90 percent for Kennedy. So that was I even have that in a document here in Germany with Otto Skorzeny, the mastermind of all um national socialist uh, uh crimes uh murderers and so on he came back from the united states and said american high-ranking uh air force officer he talked to were complaining about kennedy being too friendly with african states and the black community and uh to to make sure that he would win the vote and he was soft on communism a catastrophe for the country and somebody should take care of that that's even in the files of our intelligence say of service that he came back telling that so this is what was going on then. And also in a way in connection with it, that you see that uh, there's no limit to the crimes. And the problem is as long as it works, as long as law is not enforced, as long as it's not punished, this is the way that people, oh my God, this is the way to do it for a smart, for a smart guy. If you're a dumb guy and you go to being an honest politician, then of course you're not capable of running a thing you will be always uh dropped because uh, you're not the 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 one you're not john wayne enough yeah yeah i mean it's the inverse of what you you know are taught growing up i mean your you know schools and uh exactly sports yeah. and you play on they encourage you know teamwork and uh, to do the right thing and to be ethical and then you get in the real world <laughs> it's the complete opposite you're ethical it gets you killed or it gets you marginalized or ridiculed and yeah, I mean, I saw that with Joe Biden, you know, uh, not very well known that Biden was involved in the cover up because uh, he was on the Senate Intelligence Committee. And that had been set up after the Frank, uh, you know, the church committee was one effort to try and expose the corruption of the deep state and, and corrupt CIA activities. And then, you know, the CIA worked to defeat Frank Church in the 1980. He lost his Senate seat in 1980 because exactly. the CIA is another another him. good example. Hugely important. The, the the Church Committee and then look at what happened to him. Yeah, carry on. Carry on. Yeah. yeah. And Biden, you know, then I mean, one ramification of the Church Committee was they set up an oversight committee in the Senate and Congress. But it ended up being corrupted and just kind of rubber stamping CIA activity. It didn't fulfill its purpose. And even Biden admitted that. And he was involved in the because he was on that committee and he was involved. And you wonder how he got to the president. I don't think it's his skills uh, or particular intelligence. He was actually last in his law school class. And he's kind of a dull-witted guy, but he covered up for the Promise Software uh, uh, investigation. He made sure there was no proper investigation into that because there was a congressman from Texas, and, and Bill Hamilton had a lot of respect for him. His name was Jack Brooks. He was a Democrat from Texas, and he was investigating the theft of the Promise Software, and he was starting to get to the head of it, and Biden was one who helped to block the investigation, and look, look where he is today. Uh, so... That just gets to your point. 
And yeah, we see that in so many cases. I mean, I've seen that in studying history, going back even to, you know, I, I studied the Pearl Harbor attacks and the foreknowledge, and there was a, a commission, the Roberts Commission, uh, to investigate it, but it was a complete farce. And one member said of the commission years later, after he'd retired, and I guess he was uh, about to pass away, said, you know, this was the most crooked investigation, uh, although I guess it was superseded by the Warren Commission <laughs> investigation. And, you know, uh, that covered up the JFK assassination. And Gerald Ford was on that commission, and he became the president of the United States. And if you look at the Roberts Commission, yeah, a lot of people got uh, promoted who covered up uh, the truth about Pearl Harbor and what they knew before that could have prevented it. Uh, so it goes back a long way, unfortunately. And, yeah, it just uh, goes against everything uh, that you're taught. And I think a lot of students, people are incredulous. I mean, they think government officials are honorable uh but i mean it's like the total opposite it's the most evil uh people who get in power and then that you know explains some of the horrible policy if, if you have no conscience you only care about your career you can try and orchestrate these wars that we've seen and they have no conscience about the people who killed uh in these wars that they're engineering and all the lies that goes with it Yes, I agree. Um, couldn't agree more, really. In fact, this is what, you know, I started out as a as a NATO soldier in Germany from my consciousness point, And then I learned about all these things. And I can't unlearn what I heard and what I learned. And this is, uh, it's not very, um, it's not easy in a way, because uh, to notice that um, we are sitting on a rotten, it's kind of a rotten structure. And uh, it can only be, and, and it will fall on us in the end worldwide yeah it will be something that uh, um, that will diminish the credibility of the west which can only hand go in with military force after that so this is what's going on right now so if somebody wants to work on our demise join these governments go ahead with that uh it was the ruin of the west um the, the and to a degree it's also just that it is the ruin because we don't have anything to offer if we are not capable of cleaning this act up and also you mentioned that uh, with church committee after the church committee when the beans were spilled in the in congress about the murder attempts and all these things they came up with a secret team and there we have a full circle to our start with aldo moro because the secret team is involved in the murder of aldo moro so uh, the reaction to that was not that we clean up what is wrong but rather to make sure that we can use it again and there you see how rotten that is and uh that's even as i mentioned steve pichanik was complaining on that we have about one more minute to go and that should go to you um jeremy well yeah they, i guess they just you carried out more secretly even you know jimmy carter uh, tried in somewhat half-hearted way but he did cut the intelligence uh budget significantly and a lot of these people were forced into retirement like theodore shackley you know involved in the bay of pigs and the secret war in laos uh the castro assassination plot so they set up these private intelligence agencies uh and that's where they were carrying out a lot of dirty activity illegally but they still retained ties with the cia so yeah it was just put a little more underground and the committee that you know the the, the senate was supposed to provide oversight with the senate intelligence committee but with people like Biden on it, they they were just basically rubber stamping CIA activity and not doing any real investigation. So 
you know, the eighties you had the it was a kind of heyday for CIA covert operation under Reagan and with the Iran Contra. And then you've had, you know, the war on terror is just another bonanza uh, mm, for yeah. it. And you know, they set up the National Endowment for Democracy, which was actually more open to promote propaganda against governments the U.S. didn't like and to support dissident forces. They, they, in that respect, they came above ground with what the CIA was doing for all these years, like to support dissidents in Russia or China. Uh, now the NED does that fairly openly and promotes propaganda against those governments. Uh, so uh, they're as powerful or more yeah. powerful than ever. Jeremy, I have to cut you off because we're close to the news now, five seconds to go. Thank you very much for being my guest. Thank you.